What's up, people? Another episode of Just for Sport. Jamal K. Davis here, your host for, well, it's my podcast, so I guess I'm hosting. Hope you all are doing well. Looking forward to another weekend of sports. Another weekend of sports. And I got a lot to get to. Some days, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, things to talk about. But as you know, if you have not listened to the podcast before, maybe you listen to Dexter and I on our Steelers show on the ColorCast app, Fridays at 1 p.m. Maybe you listen to me on the Props Network as you are here for Just for Sport. And also, Dexter and I, we call the Steelers games every game for them this season for the ColorCast app as well. You know, I kind of am not a fan of Aaron Rodgers. I get on him a lot. And yeah, you know I'm getting on him today. You know I'm getting on him today. We also got to say goodbye to baseball. And why you may be saying goodbye to baseball until 2023. That's right. I said 2023. I hope that's not the case. That's a possibility. I'll explain later. In an NBA, Bleacher Report, as I got into a healthy discussion about who's better, Larry Bird or Kevin Durant. Well, Bleacher Report, they actually turned it into a contest probably a few days after myself and Dexter and a couple of other guys on the NBA exchange got into it. So I'll talk about that. And some other stories in the National Basketball Association, including one mayor of New York, who his first order of business is to talk about, hey, yeah, let me revisit this vaccine mandate. Not because anybody else is complaining. Maybe that's because I'm only paying attention to sports. But don't tell me you're doing it because you want to see Kyrie Irving on a basketball court. We're not doing that. Then again, I don't live in New York. So whatever they do in New York is whatever they do in New York. But I hope there isn't talk of them doing that. Let's hope that's not the case. Let's hope that is not the case. But first, I want to start with where we are with COVID-19 and the vaccine overall. I think we're in trouble. I think probably not just in America, in the world. Maybe we came back too early. Maybe we did. The number of stories of players having to go into COVID protocol Across multiple leagues, the Bucks' Chris Middleton tested positive for COVID-19. The Cavs marking in place in NBA's health protocols. You've got players like Aaron Rodgers lying about the vaccine, about taking the vaccine, saying he was immunized. Cole Beasley, Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, the WNBA's Natasha Cloud calling out Bradley Beal. Saying, 
Quote, the info has been presented to us numerous times. And they never said it would keep us from getting COVID, but it drastically decreases chances of death and slows the curve. End quote. We could go on and on and on with the number of players. Evander Kane in the NHL who had a fake vaccination card and got caught. Yes, on a bigger scale, this is an issue worldwide. We want to end this pandemic, or in sports, I like to call it playdemic. And we can't come to a consensus of how to end it. People are playing roulette with everyone else's lives. That's right, you are. It isn't just that you can get people sick. Oh, well, I had it and I'm fine. It didn't really hurt me. But you could kill someone else. Jason Tatum, still feeling the effects of when he had COVID-19 last year. The Celtics holding a players-only meeting in wake of, you know, Marcus Smart's comments. In my mind, those comments are not just about what's happening on the court as they say Jason Tatum may not be the same player. Hey, he might not be the same player because he's never going to be the same player after he got COVID. Health-wise, he's just not the same. He's shooting worse from the field. And hey, tweet at me, at Jamal K. Davis. I haven't heard or seen anything that says Jason Tatum has said it's not affecting him. You probably wouldn't want to admit that it was affecting you. Outside of the fact that I know he's supposed to be taking a uh, spacer, a puffer, to help his breathing. And I'm not here to say that that's definitely obviously the only reason what's going on with him, but I could see how someone, a player who either doesn't, isn't vaccinated, has gotten COVID and then trying to continue their career. And you hope not lying like Aaron Rodgers, which I will get into later. You don't want to admit that. Yeah, you know, that's, that's kind of why I'm not playing the same because I'm not the same health-wise. Then what would you say? Oh, boy. I mean, that's that's a whole nother take, right? A whole nother take. For Bradley Beal and, and Kyrie Irving to not be vaccinated... You want to give everybody their opinion. And I put it out there. You ever see, uh, it might be on national news tonight. May not, his picture may not be on there. But my son is vaccinated now. 
He was the second kid in Western Pennsylvania. If you go to Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, you checked out the local news. He's vaccinated. But Aaron Rodgers is the worst of the worst. More so than Evander Kane. Aaron Rodgers is public enemy number one in my mind. Not Kyrie Irving, not Bradley Beal, not Cole Beasley. Nobody else who's unvaccinated. Not even Evander Kane. But Bradley Beal and Kyrie Irving, at least they are being honest about not taking the vaccine. Now, the fact that the way that they question whether other people should be taking it, I don't necessarily agree with. But this Aaron Rodgers story is out of con. Troll. And it's not just Aaron Rodgers who should be in the line of fire here. The NFL should be in the line of fire. And very much so should the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers, let's start with this. Let's start with the fact that if you knew before the season started that Aaron Rodgers was unvaccinated, you think he still should, he should still be playing? Maybe I'll give him that. But when you petition the league that you had a, quote, alternate treatment before training camp started, you petition the NFL, which the NFL was quiet about, to allow Aaron Rodgers to be considered vaccinated. The league, the players union, union, excuse me, the players union and an infectious disease consultant approved by all involved, because obviously Aaron Rodgers too, that Aaron Rodgers should not be given an exemption. and not be considered to be vaccinated. But then he lied to reporters saying, yes, I've been immunized. You lied. My problem now goes beyond Aaron Rodgers because the Packers allowed this lie to happen. The NFL allowed this lie to continue on as he went unmasked. With media members. We saw Halloween. I'm masked around teammates. As if, no, I'm good. Well, first of all, even if you were vaccinated, which I am, when I go out in public, I still wear a mask. All the time. If I'm around people I don't know, their status and uncertain of, you know, if maybe they don't know my status either, so I wear a mask. A small group around my family that's all vaccinated that I don't. A few friends. Neighbors. But it's a very, very small, small sample size. We're talking like 15 people. 
And that probably means you can say to me, well, you should still be masked as well. If you allow the Packers, that is, for Rodgers to not be wearing a mask, talking to the media during his press conferences, NFL spokesman Brian McCarthy, the primary responsibility for enforcement of the COVID protocols within club facilities rests with each club. So there we go. Already plausible deniability. Should they potentially get sued? Should they potentially have someone say, well, wait a minute, I was around Aaron Rodgers. I thought he was vaccinated, so I didn't have a mask on. And you're telling me you knew all along he was unvaccinated? Heads should roll. Heads should roll. Matt LaFleur now doesn't want to comment. It just really, really, really bothers me. Don't lie. That's where I'm coming at it from, folks. I'm not coming at it from, oh, you need to be vaccinated. Although I do believe that. I'm coming at it from, do not lie and say you are vaccinated. Whether it's because you know you should be vaccinated. Or it's because you don't believe in the vaccine. Just come out and say that. I'd rather you be honest like Bradley Beal and Kyrie Irving. And we can have that disagreement. But don't lie. And I already was on Aaron Rodgers for the way he's acting like a baby and holding the the Packers hostage and acting like he's bigger than the team. He's not the only Packers that have tested positive for COVID or under protocol as well. Devontae Adams was out because of a positive test. Alan Lazard was in close contact with Devontae Adams, so he had to be out. My concern is overall, maybe we should not be back. Maybe we are learning we cannot mix unvaccinated and vaccinated players. And beyond that, you can't mix people who are vaccinated and people who are unvaccinated. That's the bottom line. You can't. But we certainly don't want to end up in this dystopian society where everybody is completely separated. Maybe some people want to live like that. But for all of the, oh, you got COVID, and or excuse me, you got vaccinated and you still got COVID. Yeah, because unvaccinated people are still spreading it. Maybe we came back too early. We can't be having all these players missing games. And I'm not saying it, obviously, this is much bigger than games. I am strictly saying that I we're cover sports. This is a sports podcast. And what I see a lot more than I feel like I've seen in probably the past month, a lot more players going to COVID protocol. How bad is this going to get? This could get a lot worse than what we're seeing now. 
It really could. And that's really concerning, especially when you have a new mayor in New York Mayor-elect Eric Adams saying we need to, quote, we need to revisit how we are going to address the vaccine mandates. End quote. No, we don't. I mean, obviously, Steve Nash going to say and if the mandate changes, he'd welcome, be welcome back for sure, i.e. Kyrie Irving. No. I am, I don't like where this is headed. I don't like where this is headed, that we're just kind of trying to give up and saying, hey, fine, people don't want to get vaccinated. Let's just mix everybody. Nope, because we're going to be right back where we are. The vaccination was not 100%. The vaccination was not to say you can't get COVID, period. It was to help prevent it from you dying. It is different than the flu shot, but you still, you know, you get a flu shot every year. So it probably was going to be a thing where, yeah, you're going to get a COVID vaccination every year. Not to mention the fact the money it's costing people and companies to have to do these tests for unvaccinated people all the time. A lot of tests, a lot of money. Moving on to Major League Baseball. And there is talk that there may be a player strike in the offseason. That's a thing. It may happen this offseason. That a work stoppage is likely. Players have refused to negotiate with owners over delay of spring training in the regular season. They haven't reached a deal since last June. They tried to get through the 2020 and in, in this season, but the collective bargaining agreement will expire, expire December 1st. Now, the last strike was for almost eight months. There was no 1994 World Series. And by the way, one of the things I bought at the time that I'm looking at in my little sports memorabilia was a World Series baseball that was not used in 1994. I am very familiar with that work stoppage year. Of course, they're going to say all the things that they want to say. Oh, yeah, both sides. You know, uh, Nolan Arenado 
said, quote, I hope we don't have a work stoppage. I hope we're able to play, end quote. Well, he went on to say also, I think both sides want to play, especially with this 2020 season. It got delayed and all the things that are going on in the country. It probably wouldn't be very good if we had a stoppage, end quote. There's a lot at stake here. Players unhappy about slow call-ups so that they can save money when stars are ready to play. Is delaying their free agency. Sometimes hurting their salary arbitration. You got baseball commissioner Rob Manfred said teams lost anywhere from 2.7 to 3 billion dollars during the paid pandemic playdemic i was i almost stumbled over my own words cuz i had called it the playdemic and that the player salaries uh, they're pretty high they're pretty high players don't like the rebuilding of teams Attendance is dropping. The game is slow. Can they implement a pitch clock? Because, I mean, these four-hour games are killing it. And then vaccinations are at play as well. I could see there not being a season in 2022. And that's probably going to hurt everybody. Maybe the one who can help the most is Scott Boris. He negotiated more than $1.2 billion in contracts during the 2019-2020 offseason. If he is the most powerful agent, maybe Major League Baseball should just be calling him. Yo, get your top guys in line. Have them talk to the the, the younger guys and maybe the less powerful guys. The guys aren't making a lot of money. Maybe they need him to negotiate. Yeah, that's probably not really the solution. course they all want a fair and fair deal but i i i could see a work stoppage and it would be you always feel like you're on the on the fence between owners and players. Players saying they need more money, owners saying they're losing money, can't keep raising these salaries. If it's just in the end, it is probably all about money. Everything's about money. But I hope that they can not only come to an agreement, but that they can fix the pace of play. Because if it continues at this pace, 
the league's going to be hurting way more. Nobody's watch. Nobody's going to watch. I don't even watch. I cannot watch a whole game. I can't. I am literally watching, like, I'll see what the score is. I'll give it one at bat. If it's a, if it's a pitching change, I'm already off to basketball or baseball or another show I'm watching. I'll watch one or two at bats and not change. Even in game six, Braves went up six hours. Like, I'll wait till the end and just watch it. So I've flipped back and forth on a commercial between watching the NBA. If score was the same, I'll go back. Because it's too slow. Game's too slow. In person, I love watching baseball in person, but I'm not going to for a while. But I love the game in person. There's nothing better than a beautiful summer day. You got your slushy or ice cream or popcorn, hot dog. You know, at Nats Park, I'd normally like a good Shake Shack. I get their little concretes. Uh, it's like a... It's not quite a milkshake. It's a little thicker than a milkshake. I can't think of what it's called. I feel like it's called a concrete. I get my chicken sandwich and my fries. Before I go to Shake Shack and like maybe the third inning, I'd get I'd walk in with some uh peanuts and a drink. I actually didn't know for a while. And I need to check with the Nats again, but I think you could actually bring in your own food. But I like it. It's a part of the experience. You go to the concession stand, get some food, normally wear my Nationals t-shirt. I lost my DC Nationals hat in the flood. It's one of my favorite ones. I feel like in all of my years, I bought it in 2005, maybe six, seven. In all of my years of going to Nats game, I think I see maybe two people wearing that hat. It had the old uh, Nats logo, but it was really not the Nats logo. It was DC and it had the gold around it my favorite hat and then I lost it but I digress in the end I am I'm really concerned I'm really concerned about Major League Baseball and the strikeout and I'm even more concerned that this is the end for Dusty Baker I want him to get that World Series ring as a manager well I was hoping it was going to be of the Padres, but then the Padres somehow was able to get Bob Melvin off of the A's. That went a little unnoticed during the World Series, but that was like a wow. Okay. So maybe Dusty Baker stays with the Astros. Maybe goes with another team. But I was rooting for Dusty. And now the Braves, I'm happy for them. I know that they are celebrating. But at the same time, you know what's weird? Nobody cares about baseball, really. You're not seeing any real live shots. People have moved on from baseball. They are talking about, oh, the Braves are having their parade today. And if you don't believe me, Go on as many, you know, sports sites that cover multiple sports. Go to ESPN, Yahoo, Fox Sports. 
Tell me if you look at just that homepage, how many of them have something about the Braves on it? Something about Major League Baseball. It's not juicy enough. It's not juicy enough. Nobody cares. Now, if you are into betting, go to PropsHQ.com. Go to any one of the websites. I'm already looking at who could win the World Series for 2022. Now, granted, I know I said there's going to be a work stoppage. Maybe it's only for two months. Maybe they have a shortened season. Although I could see baseball not being played in 2022 and not coming back until 2023. I can see it. But we're still going to look at the odds, just in case. Who's favorite? The Dodgers are favorite at plus 550. Astros, second place at plus 700. I still would love to see that as a World Series. You know that the Astros would get booed like crazy in LA. Yankees, 9 to 1. White Sox, 10 to 1. Braves, 12 to 1. Blue Jays, 13 to 1. Padres, 14 to 1. I think I may push that number up now that Bob Melvin is the manager, but that's where the first team that I stop at. And I'm like, well, I kind of like that. If you want to go on ahead and take some early odds, I kind of like that one. You didn't expect Atlanta to get there. You didn't expect them to win it. And look what happened with them. If I'm looking for a sleeper already, I'm taking the Padres at 14 to 1. That's who I'm taking. Giants, 15 to 1. Yeah, but Buster Posey retiring? Uh, I don't know. I think he might have been the glue for the Giants. You got the Rays at 16 to 1. The Red Sox, who could have been in the World Series instead of the Astros, they did not have a great season. They also had a season similar to the Braves. They're 16 to 1. Any sleepers beyond that? The Mariners at 40 to 1. The Cardinals 25 to 1. The Twins at 70 to 1. I can't believe we're sitting here looking at the Cleveland Guardians. And I don't even know if they're going to be able to keep that team name. Where are my Nats and my Orioles? The Nats are 80 to 1. Now there's a fan base and players. You talk about Juan Soto, who was in LA cheering on Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. That team gave up. That ownership said, yeah, we're just selling everybody. That's not good for a fan base. It really isn't. Oh, we're rebuilding. Yeah. Orioles, 200 to 1. Should I take a dollar on them just because? A dollar on the Nats? You never know. The Pirates are also 200 to 1. Cubs are 100 to 1. Which of these bad teams could you see making a a statement? Probably I'd start with the Cleveland Guardians if we're getting below the 40, 50 to 1. Because they were the talk of you know, maybe they they could be in the World Series. I don't know what happened to them, but that's bad. 
So there you have it. You can get your World Series futures for Major League Baseball 2022 season. You can go on ahead and make some early bets. Trades may affect who's where. So maybe do it now. Moving on to basketball, the National Basketball Association. Not college basketball. I don't know what it is. You know, I'm excited. I'm excited. University of Pittsburgh's coming back. Looking forward to another ACC season. I don't like where they are projected. But I can't wait for them to prove them wrong. That's what I'm looking forward to seeing. But have you been following? I feel like the NBA has more drama on the field than it does off. Am I am I wrong in that assessment? Sources saying Ben Simmons refusing the 76ers mental help. The Celtics holding an emotional players-only meeting. Just looking at some of the headlines. Joseph Tsai, hoping that Kyrie will get vaccinated as soon as possible. New York City Mayor-elect Eric Adams saying let's revisit the vaccine mandates because, yeah, that's why we do it, just because we want to see Kyrie play basketball. No, come on, man. You don't need to do that to win votes. We got more players now testing positive for COVID. The most recent one is the Bucks, Chris Middleton. Find it interesting that you go on NBA.com and you don't see anything about Chris Middleton testing positive for COVID. That's not a headline. Uh, it is, and the NBA needs to just say it is, and they're not. But first, what I want to get to before we talk about real basketball is there was a debate that I had on the NBA exchange. They let me come on the show. And before I came on, the debate was who's better, Larry Bird or KD? So I tweeted out to the guys, and yesterday, Bleacher Report did a pretty funny video on the show that they called The Portal is a premiere of The Portal Prime KD versus Prime Larry Bird I watched it was funny moments on the Bleacher Report app and there's talk of well how do you decide what makes one player better than the other And I think in many ways it's wrong to think about, oh, he saved the game. We're going to take that out of the conversation, okay? We're going to take it out of the conversation. We strictly want to talk about who's the better basketball player. Now, I don't want to spoil it in case you care to watch it. 
But I want to look at the stats. That's what I want to look at. Now, Kevin Durant's career is still not over. I think he will go in the Hall of Fame. There's no doubt about that. Larry Bird's already in the Hall of Fame. He's a 12-time All-Star, 10-time All-NBA. He was Rookie of the Year in the 79-80 season. Should have been magic. He was a two-time Finals MVP. He made the NBA 75th anniversary team. Three-time NBA champ, three-time All-Defensive. He was the MVP in the All-Star game in 81-82. Three-time MVP overall. And he won Rookie of the Year in 79-90. Kevin Durant is an 11-time All-Star, so his career is not over yet. And he still will make the All-Star team and will tie Larry Bird. He's a two-time NBA champ compared to Larry Bird three-time. He made the All-Rookie team in 07-08. He's a two-time Finals MVP, tied that with Bird. He's a four-time scoring champ. Bird has never been a scoring champ. But Kevin Durant has never been made the All-Defensive team which Larry Bird has done it three times. Kevin Durant's nine-time All-NBA compared to Bird ten-time All-NBA. He was a 2013 MVP of the league. Larry Bird was MVP of the league for three seasons. He's been a two-time All-Star MVP, and he was a 07-08 Rookie of the Year. All right, so we can start there. You could give the edge to Bird, but his career isn't over yet. Kevin Durant, I mean, excuse me. The number I look at is three points. Now, three point percentage. Now, yes, we are in a different era with the three-point shot. I do think Kevin Durant is a better defensive player, that there are more defensive juggernauts, if you will, in the NBA now than there were back then. It was a more brutal game, so I'll give you that. They fought a little harder. Maybe Larry Bird was really good at trash talking and it could have got under Kevin Durant's skin. But the funny thing is I feel like everyone thinks of Larry Bird as this sharpshooter from three-point range. But not only does Kevin Durant in his career, which is still not over, average more points per game than Larry Bird. I think I take the fact that he is a three-time scoring champ. That weighs a lot more heavily to me when I think of KD versus Larry Bird than maybe some people would think that matters. But the crazy thing is that Kevin Durant's field goal efficiency percentage is higher than Larry Bird's. His three-point field goal percentage is higher than Larry Bird's. 
38.4 to 37.6. And you may say, oh, that's barely a percentage point. But I bet if it was reversed, you would say, oh, but Larry Bird shoots better from three. You know you would. Now, Larry Bird has a better field goal percentage, but that is a lot closer. That's 49.6 to 49.5. Kevin Durant is shooting over almost 60% from the field this season. Now, total rebounds, Larry Bird's got him. He averaged 10 for his career. Kevin Durant is at 7 for his career. And assists, Larry Bird averaged 6.3. Kevin Durant is averaging 4.2. But you and I both know that in many ways, everything's going to come down to three-point percentage. And the bottom line is, Kevin Durant's better. And he averages, he's averaging way more. Larry Bird averaged 1.9. Kevin Durant's at 4.4. And you can't say, oh, well, they weren't shooting the threes back then. Bob, whose fault is that? The three was out there. The three was out there for you to shoot it. In my mind, Kevin Durant's just a better player. He's the better overall, all-around shooter and in my mind, I would say a better defender than Larry Bird. End of conversation. Now go watch Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report's The Portal. And let me know what you think. As I look at the rest of the league and the standings, Miami Heat are at the top of the Eastern Conference at 6-1. They're back. They never win anywhere. It's early, but they're averaging 115 points per game, closer to 116. And they are the only team in the Eastern Conference defensively only giving up 98. That's a plus 16.7 differential. 115.6 to 98.9. No team is nearly as good as Miami is right now on the defensive and offensive end. Maybe they don't need John Wall. I know they was talking them trading for John Wall. I don't know. I don't want to get into that. Let me not make that a conversation like, ooh, they should have got, got, got John Wall versus... Uh, well, not Kyrie Irving, Kyle Lowry. Bottom line, Miami Heat's good. Miami Heat is really, really good. The 76ers, we expected them to be up there. They are the closest in differential at plus 8.1. So you're seeing the cream of the crop rising to the top. All that talk about, oh, watch the Wizards. You see what they're doing? Yeah, their differential is plus 1.1. They're now 5-3. and three. They're falling back to where they should be. Same for the Knicks at 5-3. and three. Cavs at 5-4. and four. 
It's happening. The biggest surprise to me in that, because obviously the Heat were in the NBA Finals two seasons ago, the bubble championship, where they lost to the Lakers. That's not a surprise. 76 is not a surprise. Bulls are a surprise at 6-2, and two, and they're plus 7 in the differential. Toronto Raptors seem to be back at 6-3. and three. How about those Raptors? Watch out now. Those numbers are creeping up for the Raptors. You look at what they were to win the East not too long ago, you might want to go in ahead and put some dollars down before they really start winning because they're going to win. Maybe not the championship. Right now, to win the East, it's $131 to one. Grab it now. You never know. The Heat are at $6.50 to one. Bulls are at $16 to one. Look at the plus differential before you decide if a team is real. And that goes for me too. In my mind, you look at the teams that won the championship in any sport. And that's what you can look at. The Braves. They just won the World Series. What was their differential? Plus 134. Now, it may not have been the best in all of the National League, but it was the third best behind the Dodgers and the Giants. So it's still a gamble, but the numbers, the stats don't lie. Now, I'm not in analytics in terms of, yeah, when you talk about players and who you draft and stuff like that and how long a pitcher goes... Yeah, I'm kind of off on that. Not really into analytics on that 100%. But that's something to think about. The Houston Astros were plus 205 in their differential. Only the Rays were better. So yes, you can use that as a litmus test. Let's look at the National Football League. It's very easy. Buffalo Bills at 5 and 2 plus 120. Dallas Cowboys plus 63. Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus 77 in the Arizona and actually the Rams are tied with the Bucks at plus 77 and the Cardinals at plus 108. Now a team can fall down, yes. One example, the Broncos are at plus 20, not a lot, but they are at 4 and 4. They're not looking too good. But if you want an early indication of where you should bet, how a team is going to do in a season, look at the differential. And right now, the Heat, Sixers, Bulls, and Raptors. Raptors a little bit more on the fence are showing they're for real. In the Western Conference, Jazz and the Warriors. That's it. 
Mavericks five and three. Their plus their plus minus differential is minus five point three. Lakers are plus oh eight. Means they're barely winning games. Keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on it as you're looking at the early winners to project where you should, you know, where you think your team's going to do. Where maybe you should bet. Looking at the Golden State Warriors, hello, they're at pl- almost at plus 10. They don't even have Klay Thompson and James Wiseman back. You better recognize. You better keep an eye on that. And also keep an eye on how a team is is playing together. And I bring that up in the Boston Celtics. This season is early and they're awful compared to what most, I think, especially Boston Celtics fans think they should be with Jason Tatum and and Jalen Brown. They are three and five on the season, plus differential, minus three and a half, 3.5. If the playoffs started today, they wouldn't even be in the playoff play-in game. Or play in tournament, rather. Whatever it is. I don't even remember what it is anymore. Between the Hawks, the Bucks, and the Celtics. Bucks at 4-4, four and four, Hawks at 4-4, four and four, Celtics at 3-5. and five. To me, they're underachieving. They're underachieving. Underachieving, excuse me. In the Western Conference, I think the Suns at three and three, the Clippers at three and four, and the Trailblazers at three and five are all underachieving. Trailblazers have lost three in a row. Clippers have won two in a row to get to three and four. So if you think about it, at one point they were one and four. I know it's early. Again, yes, it's early. I understand that. But at the same time, I know you're looking at it, right? We can all say it's early, but bottom line is we're all doing some sort of a power index in our head. And I'm just trying to give you some information. I wonder how much the non-basketball moves are playing into this. You know, uh, James Harden. Could, could get away with uh, some, like, questionable, you know, I mean, you know how to play. It's not just James Harden. That's unfair. Let me not do that. Players would jump into other, you know, the defender and get the foul call or flopping. A lot of that's kind of going away. What I don't think is going away is whatever the Celtics are going through. It's not looking good. Team only meetings. Marcus Smart saying that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are not passing the ball enough. They need to pass more. 
Maybe they'll get it together. But I think not having Brad Stevens doesn't help. I'm not going to put anything on the current coach. I really don't want to do that. But the Celtics were not just going to It wasn't something where the Celtics were just going to be as good as they were in the past. Not only are they a different team, but they have a new head coach in Ime Odoka. So the makeup of the team is going to be different. And he is a rookie head coach trying to figure it out. So it may take a little growing pains. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. All right, now what I'm going to talk a lot about is the National Football League. It's that time, y'all. Thursday night football. Who we got? I'm, of course, going to do my gut check picks. But I'm not excited about this Thursday night game. Jets at Colts. It's an easy pick in my mind. I mean, come on. You know that the Jets were playing a backup quarterback. Excuse me, were playing with a backup quarterback. But in many ways, in my mind, I think it was a situation where the Bengals, you're playing the Bengals. I don't know if they're for real. But I think you catch a team off guard and they don't know who the quarterback Mike White is, uh, okay, you can get one game. I don't think you can do that next week. All right, talked about Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to be playing for the Packers. Von Miller is now a Ram. What a move. Do you move up the Rams in your power rankings? Uh, you might. You might. I mean, Green Bay Packers at 7-1. Again, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers... Had the team's best interest at, in, at heart. Knew he was lying about being vaccinated. Let's see what that does to the Packers this week. Let's see what it does. And we also had some unfortunate news about the Raiders' Henry Ruggs. I mean, that was devastating i mean i guess unfortunately it's probably his career is who knows what his career is going to be who knows if he'll ever play football again but so it's, it's an unfortunate story that he killed someone drunk driving 
Tina Tintor, a 23-year-old, and her dog were killed when going over 150 miles an hour in the Corvette. He rammed right into a RAV4 that caught on fire. He had a blood alcohol level that was twice the legal limit. It's sad. It's really sad. And whatever justice is served, he deserved it. He deserved it. And it's just heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking. All right. We are going to now make the gut check picks. And we're going to start with the Thursday night game. We've got the Indianapolis Colts hosting the New York Jets. The Colts are three and five. So they're not really playing that well. Think maybe too much hype and Carson wins. I thought when they got that win in San Francisco, they were turning a corner. Uh, not so much. But the Colts are 3-0 against teams below 500. I don't expect Mike White to be able to do much leading the Jets to a win at 2-5. So... My first gut check pick is the Colts. But the question is, the question is, at 10 and a half, maybe you take the Jets. Maybe at 10 and a half, you take the Jets. I'm going to go for the gamble there. I'm going to take the Jets at plus 10 and a half. Next game, Sunday, we've got the Bills at the Jaguars. The Bills are favored at minus 14 and a half. I'm going to take the Jaguars. I'm not using money line this time. I'm going with the spread. I'm going with the spread. Broncos at Cowboys. A lot of dud games, by the way. Games that are too many games uh, already so far where it's in double digits. Cowboys at home against the Broncos. I'm taking the Cowboys at minus 10. Vikings at the Ravens. I'm taking the Ravens. They are favored at minus six. Do I really want to take the Ravens? Yeah, I feel like I do. You know, some of these games are easier than others where I got to, like, actually think about my pick. I think the Ravens have come down to earth a little bit. They're five and two. The Vikings are three and four. The Ravens are allowing 
more points than you expected them to be. They've allowed 23.4 points per game. They're most since 2015 when they averaged 25, and it was the worst season for the Ravens under Harbaugh at 5-11. I don't expect that to happen. I don't know. The Ravens have won 11 straight versus NFC opponents. I'm going to take the Ravens at minus six. Or do you go with the Vikings? Do you think I think the game is going to be closer. So I think I go with the Vikings plus six in that one. Falcons, Saints. I have no idea what quarterback is going to be playing in this game. And which quarterback will make a difference? Taysom Hill? Trevor Simeon? I don't know. I think the Saints and Falcons defense are both good. But both of their offenses are really bad. And you don't know what's what's happening with the hand. Of Matt Ryan, he's 9-16 and 16 versus the Saints in his career. The only NFC South opponent he has a opponent he has a losing record against. But the spread. Saints are favored at minus 7. Do you take the Saints or the Falcons? I think I'm going with the Saints. It was a close game, though. Ugh. I'll take the Falcons plus seven. Raiders, Giants. The Raiders are dealing with a lot, a lot. The Giants are not a good team by any stretch of the imagination. But this is a this is another tough game to pick. Because, I mean, can you have the Raiders be dealing with any more drama? Well, I mean, part of it, I guess, is on the field than off the field. The Raiders are 0-4 after their bye week since 2017. Wouldn't say Daniel Jones is playing better. I definitely am not going to say that. But I also, there's a part of me that's like, well, you don't know what kind of Giants team you're going to get? Is that a thing? I mean, they certainly aren't winning. They're not having a winning season. But losing at the Chiefs 20-17 to on Monday night, the Chiefs defense isn't great. But I do think the game may be closer than you expect it to be. So I'm going to take the Giants at plus three. Now this is another tough game. Browns at the Bengals. The Bengals are favored at minus two and a half. I was disappointed in the Bengals, the way that they 
I mean, lost to the Jets. Come on, you can't lose to the Jets. And now you're playing the Browns. But then you got Odell Beckham causing trouble in the Browns locker room. He's not at practice. His dad is showing how he's not getting the ball. I think Baker Mayfield is definitely overrated. I'm talking myself. Into probably, yeah, probably talking myself into taking the Bengals. And it's not really a probably. I think I am. I think the Bengals win that game. I think the Browns have the better offense and defense. But I'm going to give the... Do you go with the home field advantage? The Browns have scored fewer than 20 points in three straight games. But Joe Burrow's 0-2 against Cleveland. He's got the yards and he's got some touchdown passes but can't win the game. You know, who knows if Baker Mayfield is 100%. The receivers dropped a lot of balls yesterday. They really did. But I think there's a big bounce back game for the Bengals. I'm taking the Bengals at minus two and a half. Patriots at the Carolina Panthers. Patriots are heading the right direction. Panthers are not. I'm going to take the Patriots at minus three and a half to win that game on the road. I don't know what happened to the Panthers. I took them for two weeks, two, I think at least two weeks in a row. I was confident that I thought they would win the game and I uh, just didn't see it. I think they're struggling without Christian McCaffrey. The Patriots have won three of their last four games after starting the season one and four. I'm going with the Patriots. Texans at the Dolphins. Dolphins are favored at minus four and a half. How do you pick this game? I mean, both, neither one of these teams are very good. Outside of being the Dolphins or a Texans fan, you're happy. But the Texans are, I mean, one and seven. The Dolphins are one and seven. I think you go with the Dolphins because they're at home. And I like them favored at five and a half. Chargers at the Eagles. Now the last time the Chargers came out west, they got crushed by Baltimore. That was a bad, bad game. I didn't think they could play worse. And yet looking at this game, Chargers at Eagles, a team going from west to East Coast. They may not be as bad as it was against the Ravens. The Eagles are three and five, but the Chargers aren't playing that much better. They're four and three. I think you look at the Eagles as being the a bad team, but I'm taking the Eagles plus two.
Packers at Chiefs. What do you do with this game? No Aaron Rodgers, but I really thought that last week the Chiefs looked bad. They looked putrid on defense. Not so much on offense. The offense wasn't great either, but definitely on defense. I just didn't think they were a a good team. I think that all of the talk of them being a dynasty is not good. Their offense is ranked second. The Packers' offense is ranked 19th. But their Chiefs' defense at 29th compared to the Packers at 14th. That's the big issue. And then you throw in there, no Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the Chiefs did win last week, but they shouldn't have only won by three points to the Giants. Come on. But are the odds at seven and a half too much to take the Chiefs? Can Jordan Love come in? And I guess I couldn't think of a good way to say it. He's not Jordan. He doesn't want to give Kansas City some love. I'm sorry. I just couldn't come up with something. The Chiefs have a tough schedule looking ahead. They do not have an opponent remaining this season with a losing record. So the Chiefs really need this game. I think they'll come out with all the firepower. I am going to take the Chiefs at minus seven and a half. I don't know, but they've never seen Jordan Love. The defense isn't good. They have the running game. No, I'm switching. I'm going with Packers at plus seven and a half. Next game, Cardinals at the 49ers. This game has the Cardinals favorite at minus one. So it's almost a pick them, a push. Hmm. The 49ers are 3-4. and four. The Cardinals are 7-1. and one. This is kind of like the last stand for the 49ers. The Cardinals are averaging almost 36 points per game on the road. They're crushing people. San Francisco has a winning record 3-2 and two against Arizona. Jimmy Garoppolo is 3-1 in his career against Arizona. Debo Samuels is playing like a beast. And I don't know what happened with DeAndre Hopkins. I'm going to take the 49ers at plus one to win that game. I think it's desperation mode for the 49ers. Then we've got the Titans at the Rams. Now, this wouldn't be an easy game if it wasn't for the fact that there was no Derrick Henry. But there is no Derrick Henry. And I feel for the Titans to not have a what I think is will end up being a Hall of Fame player in Derrick Henry. Who will step in for Derrick Henry. And can that player, even though they did beat the Colts last week, they did. 
The Rams now have Von Miller. He has the highest QB pressure rate of any defensive player since 2016. Aaron Donald ranks third. But when you see, when you read and understand that Derrick Henry accounted for 84.2% of the Titans' carries, who's going to step up? Whoever's going to step up, I think the Rams are the better team. I'm taking them at minus seven and a half. In the final game, Bears at the Steelers. Dexter and I will be calling that game on ColorCast app. I'm tempted to see if I can get Michael Wilbon to call in so he can talk about the Bears. Maybe I'll text him later. See if he's up for it. The Steelers' defense is ranked fifth, but their offense isn't good at 28. But guess what? The Bears are worse at 32, and their defense is bad too. Even without their kicker, the Steelers somehow managed to win at Cleveland. That's because Ben Roethlisberger owns the Cleveland Browns. The Steelers own the Cleveland Browns. Now, the crazy thing is Ben Roethlisberger is 1-3 versus the Bears. It's tied for his worst record against any opponent, any single opponent. Mike Tomlin, a cool stat I saw, is 22-4 versus rookie starting QBs. 7-0 in the last five seasons. The Pittsburgh Steelers have only lost to winning teams, and the Bears are not a winning team. I'm taking the Steelers at minus six to win this game. And those are my picks. I'm putting it in. I got the Jets at plus 10.5, Jaguars at plus 14.5, Cowboys at minus 10, Vikings at plus 6, Falcons plus 6, Giants plus 3, Bengals minus 2.5, Patriots minus 3.5, Dolphins minus 5.5, Eagles plus 2, Packers plus 7.5, 49ers plus 1. That's going to be a tough one. I mean, all of them are tough, but that's the great one. That's the hard one. Rams minus 7.5, Steelers minus 6.5. 6, excuse me, not 6.5. And, and those are my picks. I hope you enjoy a great NFL weekend. I know I will. That'll do it for Just for Sport. Ciao for now.